The dark room is a place of process and development. A place where moments are captured, details are exposed, and images are revealed. What if everything we're striving for in life can be revealed through a shift in perspective? What if our lack of focus on who Christ is in us corrupts our destiny and impact? What if we could adjust the lens and fix our eyes on the right image? What if we could filter our frame of mind and capture who God really is? What if we could change our position Expose the lies we believe. Who is God? Jesus, the image of God revealed. seated. Thank you, band. Love you all. It is one of my favorite times of the year. It is March Madness. Don't act like you don't worship that God. Come on, it's Indiana. Too soon? Too many shots fired right at the beginning? I can't wait to watch Taco Fall today. Only true basketball fans are nodding their head. Taco Fall is a seven foot six giant who's going to take down Zion Williamson and the Duke Blue Devils. No one believes it. All right. Oh, for two with uh, March Madness jokes. Silver Creek Dragons winning the state championship yesterday. My wife's a teacher there. Hey. Uh, all right. It's a couple of people excited. Tough crowd this morning. Spring break, huh? You guys rather be at a beach? Okay. All right. Well, we love you all. Love Jesus. Love people. We'll see you all next week. All right, I need some entertainment this morning from you. Entertainment. I don't need any entertainment from you. I need some feedback. There it is. It is spring break, and uh, we are excited this week. I I just want to highlight real quick that we do believe in the value of prayer in this house. And for those of you that have been following our journey of adoption, we got great news this past week. Uh, But I I just want to thank you for all the people that have been praying for us. We are actually just beginning the, the adoption process. We had a big hill that we had to climb this week. It officially, TPR was filed. So we're excited as a family. But we believe that this is just the beginning. And God still does work through crazy people. Thank God, because I'm a crazy person. And today's going to be fun. We're going to continue our darkroom series where we are just revealing not only who God is and who God has always been, but who we are and who we will always be. It's a good place for an amen. So today we're going to talk about family dynamics and social dynamics. And I just want to, I just want to preface my sermon with this thought. If you think of anybody else in the world as less than you because of gender or sexuality or because of race and ethnicity, then you have missed who Jesus Christ is. Completely missed him. 
And so today we're going to be talking about family and social dynamics. We're going to talk about a little bit of marriage and our relationships with our wives and, and husbands. We're going to talk about parenting a little bit. We're going to talk about uh, this word slavery. Because for hundreds, if not thousands of years, especially our founding fathers, used the passage that we are going to be talking about today to justify their actions to overpower and enslave human beings. And I'm going to show you how if you read the Bible for just the face value, you will miss the context of what is actually being talked about and miss what Paul was trying to address at the church of Colossae. Uh, He wasn't talking about slaves and masters. He was actually talking about employees and employers. Oh, it's going to be so good. So everything that we read about today is going to apply to you today in the 21st century American context. Is it good? You with me? I got like eight verses. I'm going to fly through them and we're going to come back, okay? If you're ready to hear from the Word of God, let me hear you say, Ayo. I don't know why I do that. Just to make sure you're ready. Words are on the screen. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, it says this. It says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord, as parents are nudging their kids right now. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Kids hitting their dads right back. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever, say whatever. Whatever. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Let's pray over the word of God this morning. Father, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that you empower us to be everything that you've called us to be. And we praise you and give you all the glory. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You ready just to have a conversation all over the place? You ready to, to pick up what I put down this morning? You allow me to challenge you in your relationships and challenge you in the way that you do life because it's about to come in your grill real fast. He addresses the women first, all right? I'm not a lady. Shocking. But he says, wives, submit to your husbands. And all the men are like, yeah, submit to me. But we don't understand what is being said here. And this is why women have been suppressed for so many years, not just in our nation, but in the church. Because we read this verse, and then we read verses in Colossians, which Paul wrote to, uh, or Corinthians, that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, where there's an actual scripture verse that says women should be quiet in the church. But if you dissect that verse and read it in its proper context and understand what was happening. If you actually do a Greek study on that, he was talking to a specific singular woman. Wasn't all women. He was addressing one woman who was preaching Diana, which is a, uh, a religion that believes in women domination. Okay, The Amazon women, that phrase is an actual real phrase that was used for women, like Viking women that would go in towns and slaughter people and put these men and children under women oppression. It was a real thing that happened. So Paul was addressing one woman to be quiet. Okay, 
This word submit in the Greek, it doesn't even mean what you think it means. In fact, it means to get underneath someone and push them up. So many times we forget the second part of the word submit. We just want to put somebody underneath us. But the whole idea behind submission is to get underneath someone and push them up. And guess what? When you push that other person up, you're coming up with them. In fact, if you actually look at the definition and the responsibility of submission, submission requires trust. Trust in your spouse and in God. You see, submission makes you stronger, not weaker. You don't lose freedom, you gain it. When you believe and trust in your husband and in God. In fact, uh, there's this passage in Genesis where it talks about the wife or the woman, Eve, was a suitable helper. And there has been terrible books written on this. One of them in particular called The Helpmate. Yeah, don't read it. It's awful. Because women weren't created to be the husband's helpmate. Suitable in the, in the Hebrew literally means to be the opposite of. So... Women aren't less than or greater than men. They're just different, and that's good. Helper in the Hebrew means that you need someone like God to stand alongside of you. Not behind you, alongside of you. In fact, Ephesians 5.21, Paul addresses the church in Ephesus. He says, both husbands and wives are to submit to each other. This has nothing to do about dominating a gender. Yes, I do believe that men are supposed to lead the home and lead the home well, but not with your wife behind you, with your wife alongside of you, making decisions together. I submit to my wife all the time because she's got better discernment than me. And if you don't believe in proper biblical submission, why don't, when you go home today, just say, hey, baby, let's go to the bedroom and kick it and see how that works out for you. What does kick it mean? Ask your 18-year-old. Oh, that's good stuff. Then he continues to address husbands. Husbands, love your wives. He uses the word agape here, which is an unconditional love. And I got to be honest, I don't always love my wife with an unconditional love. And so the challenge is, is to not put conditions on your love towards your spouse, even when you think that your spouse is wrong. In fact, he says that Husbands are to love our wives like Christ loved the church. If the church, which are people, are God's bride, Jesus' bride, what did Jesus do for his bride? He gave his life for her. Husbands, are we giving our lives to and for our wives? It's one thing to think of this figuratively and literally, and both apply. Do you recognize that when you, husbands, are like Jesus, that freedom and liberty flow to the entire house? And when the man lays down his life for his family, the entire family reaps the benefits for everyone is exalted? This is that whole submission thing. Why? Because we get underneath each other and we lift each other up. We're going to need this in every season of life because every season of life, one of us is going to need to be stronger than the other. This is just a guarantee. This is why marriage is such a beautiful picture. But he gives a specific challenge for men not to be harsh to our spouses. Why? Because men, we like to growl and just like a fist bump and chest bump each other. And then we get around our spouse and sometimes we expect the same thing. But women are fragile and not like physically fragile. They just carry a different spirit than us men oftentimes. It's not bad. It's not better. It's just different. 
And so we're not to be harsh with our wives. This, this word harsh can also mean angry, bitter, or insensitive. Man, I, I failed this a lot because I can get in my perspective and be insensitive. I can win an argument and lose the whole thing because of my ability to be insensitive. Let, let us not forget, husbands, that we chose our spouse, unless you're from India and you were forced into a marriage. Most of us in here chose our spouse. Let's remember to continually choose her. You, know, you chose her maybe years ago, months ago, decades ago. Let's not forget that it's your priority and responsibility to continue to choose her, to lay your life down for her, to exalt her, to honor her, to serve her. Some of your marriages aren't bad at all. They're just dull. And your marriage wasn't dull when you first got married. So don't be dull now. Why don't you take this entire week to pursue your wife again? Take this entire week to choose her again and watch your marriage flourish. Because women are like incubators. They respond to what you give them. So we give women sperm, they give us a baby. This is like real life stuff. You give women crap. I'm going to edit myself there so I keep my job. They are responders to how we lead in the home. This is really important for us. Then he goes on to the children. Oh, children, this is where parents love. You better be listening, children. Chilling, better be listening. He says, obey, which is a very similar Greek word to the word submit. However, this word, parents, you're not going to like this. This word means to pay attention. Pay attention. So in other words, parents, if you want your kids to obey, to obey, they're watching how you live. So the way that they act is a direct response to the home environment that they are in. I can't tell you how many times I've had parents come talk to me about fixing their kids, and I only get your kids for two hours a week. Coming to Zoe, although it's super fun, and I encourage you to get them involved in our, in our student ministry. We talk a lot about Jesus, and, a lot of, and we have a lot of fun. But ultimately, it is your responsibility as the parent to lead your children well. I do believe that children, we are to obey and submit to our parents even when we disagree with them. This is a really important understanding of our responsibility as children. We should submit to our parents even if we disagree with them because one day, and I promised myself I wasn't going to say this, I made an inner vow that I had to break. I'm never going to act like that. And here I got kids now and the kids are doing the exact same things I used to do. I remember I didn't always honor my, my parents well, but there were some specific instances where I honored my parents. I'm super thankful for my mom and dad. And uh, my dad wasn't super strict, but he had three rules. And you don't break these rules. The first rule was no piercings. The second rule was no motorcycles. The third rule was no tattoos. <laughs> I'll never forget when my... Older brother, he's seven, my oldest brother, seven years older than me, he came home. He was a senior in, in high school. He came home with a, uh, a piercing, and uh, my dad made him put on a dress. That's a true story. I was never tempted with the piercing thing because <laughs> of that. I ain't going to wear no dress. <laughs> I'm one of four boys, so to wear a dress is like the mo most shaming thing you could do. Sorry, Chris, that's probably why you have all your issues. <laughs> I didn't point to him back there. He, I was just, he'll watch online. You'll get it. 
So there are no tattoos allowed in our family, which is, just look at me. And you laugh, but I actually honored my dad in this because there were a lot of tattoos I wanted to get as a young kid, especially when I was 18. And thank God I didn't because I would either have tattoos that'd be covered up or that I regret because I wanted some weird things when I was 18. And I didn't get my first tattoo until I was 25 years old. I was on my own. And I remember, like, my dad was like, as long as I'm paying bills for you, you have to honor my rules. And even though I disagreed with some of his rules, I honored my dad with these specific things. Even when I went away for college for 10, 10 hours away, I, I, I left college. I was 10 hours away from home. I could have gotten a tattoo and gotten away with it. My, but my dad was uh, giving me a generational blessing and paying for half of my college so that I could graduate debt-free. Thank you, Dad. I appreciate you. Thank you, Mom, too, because you'll be offended that I didn't give you honor as well. Thank you both for doing that together. Don't, don't hurt me. Um, but I remember when I, I finally got my first tattoo, I called my dad. I said, Dad, I'm out of your house. I'm paying all my bills. I said, I know you're not really going to give me the blessing because you hate tattoos, but I want to get a tattoo. Can I get a tattoo? And he said, you're a grown man. He said, I, I don't like tattoos, but you're on your own. You do whatever you want. And I'll never forget that because one of the biggest reasons for why I didn't get a tattoo when I was under my dad's authority was because I knew one day I was going to be standing with a microphone telling children to honor their parents and how hypocritical it would have been for me if I did not honor my own parents. Children, you don't have to agree with everything that your parents say and believe, but you do have to honor and respect them and obey them. But parents, are you living in a way that is honorable and respecting? Do you want your kids to grow up to be like you? Do you want your daughters to marry you? Because your daughters tend to find husbands like their dads. Do you want sons to marry wives like you? Are you living in a way that you would be proud of if your son came home with a girl that was much like you? It's a call to us as parents to wake up to the revelation that our kids are watching because everything in life is caught, not taught. You won't remember this sermon in four hours, especially when Taco Fall is dunking on Zion Williamson. Whatever. He goes on and talk about fathers, and he's addressing parents in this moment, so you can be rest assured he's also talking to mothers. He says, don't embitter your children. This word embitter literally means to provoke or exasperate. You know what exasperate means? You ready for this one? Here's the bomb I'm about to drop. Exasperate means is to not tell your kids to do something that you yourself don't do. One of the worst things that you could say as a parent is do as I say, not as I do. I've said it before already in my young parenting career. But my hope is to never say it again because the reality is, is your kids are watching you. It is wrong to tell them not to do something that you yourself don't do. So guess what? When your attitude is not great, your kids are picking that up. The way that you disagree and argue with your spouse, arguments are okay. It's not okay to dishonor your spouse in those arguments. But your kids are watching how you interact. What makes you think that they're going to act any differently? We've been teaching our kids uh, honor lately. Uh, everything is honor. We have no rules but honor. Because every rule that, is, that could be broken goes back to the way that you honor people. If you're going to hit your sibling, that's dishonoring. If you're going to lie to mommy or daddy, you're losing our trust, that's dishonoring. Everything goes back to honor. So we're trying to teach our kids it's all about honor. In fact, if you were asked both of our kids in the hallway today, you say, hey, what are your hands for? They will tell you our hands are for loving. They're not really good at that yet, but at least they know it. Eventually, they'll, they'll figure it out. But everything is caught, not taught. 
Can I tell you a story without you judging me? <laughs> Has nothing to do with you, baby. It's all me. <sighs> I'm only going to tell you this story if you promise not to judge me as a husband, as a dad, and as a pastor, okay? Because this happened this week. <laughs> oh, man. So we're trying to teach our kids not to lie. Every conversation comes back to not lying because you're breaking trust and it's dishonoring to your sibling or to your parents. And so everything's like, hey, don't, don't tell a lie, right? And I took both my kids to the grocery store this Monday, which is awful. And moms, I don't know how you did it for so long. Husbands, just for the simple fact that if you've never taken kids grocery shopping, you should probably go home and buy your uh, wife that diamond necklace or jewelry today. You're welcome, ladies. It is awful, okay? Like, this, I'll never do it again. There's an intervow I just made. So if I come back in a couple of years, you can take me back to this moment and help me break it off. But it was awful, okay? And so we're leaving Kroger on Charlestown Road. I got both kids with me. And there are the Girl Scout cookie people right outside, okay? Now, I have a habit, okay? I have a habit of lying to these people because I don't like to say no to their cute faces, okay? Judge me if you want. I don't care. Whatever. You know, like every single time I go past the Girl Scout cookies, no matter where they are, I always tell them I already have Girl Scout cookies. It's a lie. I don't ever buy Girl Scout cookies. But I, I hate, like, telling them to that to their face, you know? And so we're walking out. You can imagine where I'm going with this. We're walking out. I got both kids with me. And they're like, hey, you want Girl Scout cookies? I'm like, no, we just bought a whole bunch. <laughs> so my, my four-year-old is, uh, he's with it. He turns around and goes, we don't have any Girl Scout cookies at home. <laughs> Learn today. So instead of admitting where I'm wrong in this moment, I carry the lie even further. Okay, again, don't judge me. This is just in the moment, right? All these people are watching. Like they got their moms with them and the, the girls aren't really paying attention, but the moms are like, like you're gonna learn today. And, and so I was like, yeah, yeah, buddy, we, we have a whole bunch at home. So I lied to him again. And he said, well, can I have some when we get home? Well, no, no, you can't have any when you get home at all. That's what I said. I, I should have said, sure. And then lied to him when we got home. But I said, no. No, you can't have any. So now I'm looking at these moms that are like, you're the worst dad in the world. <laughs> oh, don't worry. You're going to think I'm way worse in about 10 seconds. And so he goes, what every four-year-old says is, why, why, why not? Well, instead of saying, well, because we're going to eat something else and maybe I'll give you other cookies, I panicked. Okay, you ever been in a moment where you're caught in a line, you panic? I panicked in the middle of this moment where all these people are watching these Girl Scout cookies. I said, because we don't have any Girl Scout cookies. That's right. I lied to you, and I lied to you. Judge me, whatever. Forget to come to Cornerstone Church. I'm a pastor there, right? You know, like, uh, oh, man. Seriously, don't judge me. This happened. And so the whole rest of the day on Monday, I'm like, I can't even confront my own son about lying because he'd probably just be like, Girl Scout cookies. Doom and doom and Girl Scout cookies. And, and that's funny. That's like a funny story. But how many times do we do this as parents about, like, real things while your kids are watching? 
And I'm not talking about like telling them their art is good because you don't want to discourage your children. Lie, lie. Okay, last night, actually, Henry drew this, this hand and his thumb was like four times bigger than all his other fingers. I was like, oh, it looks amazing. No, it's trash, okay? But we put this stuff on our fridge and we honor it anyways. That's okay, okay? Lie all you want in that area. Don't, don't discourage your kids. But I'm talking about like the real stuff in life. Like as they get older, my kids aren't really old enough to the age where they're really picking up everything. But I'm talking about like every area of your life. Are you the type of parent that honors your spouse but also honors your kids in the way that you parent? Or, or are you the type of person that just says, do as I say, not as I do? Because I, I really want to break that chain off you. And re- remember, there's no shame or condemnation. If you screwed up in this area, get over it, okay? You, you did the best with what you had at the time. And guess what? There are some bad days in parenting. Can I get an amen? And I'm praying for you, Corey and Julia. Hey, holla at your boy. But I just want to encourage you, like, like, let's come together as a community and raise some kids that can actually change the world. Let's think about the life that we're living right now as parents because, because we were just told, the kids were just told to obey their parents in the previous verse. But are we living in a way that's worthy of them following? In fact, I listened to a... Uh, a, a leadership podcast, Andy Stanley, I listen to his leadership podcast every month. It's really excellent. And the past two months he's done on family and parenting. I would encourage every single one of you to listen to the last two month podcast of Andy Stanley. You can get them for free online on your podcast app or online or wherever. He talks about parenting and he opened up this podcast. He said two things that were so profound for me. I, I took them internally. I'll live by them forever. The first one is to, to parents that don't understand that your only uh, unique leadership role is that of father or mother. Like this blew my socks off when he said it. Your only unique leadership role is that of a mom or a dad. You will be replaced in everything you do except being a mom and being a dad. Eventually, someone's going to replace me as a pastor, and someone's going to replace Pastor Shannon as a. Eventually, you're going to be replaced in your job. Eventually, you're someone. If you own something, you are eventually going to pass the baton. You will lose every single leadership position you have in your life, except that of a mom or a dad. And then he went on to say this. This like blew my doors off, or as Sean would say, it really tickled my mind grapes. He said, your greatest contribution to the world may not be something you do, but someone you raise. If you're in a discouraged place today, be encouraged to know that you are doing an incredible job raising kids who love Jesus. But remember, that your greatest contribution to the world might not be do something you do. It may be somebody you raise. And somebody you raise, it might not even be a biological child. It may not even be an adopted child. It might be somebody that you just do life with, who's watching how you live. Now we're going to the controversial part. You ready? Slaves and masters. Again, when you read the Bible out of context, you can oppress people. Because in the first century, especially in the church at Colossae, slaves did not exist the way that they existed today, at least in this context, at least what Paul was writing to. Remember, he's writing to people who would have understood exactly what he was talking about. This word slaves literally means bondservant, and it is the same word that is used in highest dignity to call those who are willingly to live under Christ's authority. In fact, in every one of Paul's uh, uh, epistles, 
Every single one of Paul's books, he starts off with, I'm Paul, a bondservant. He uses this word, a slave of Christ. Now, he wasn't literally talking about a slave to God. It was, it was words that were used for a group of people that would have understood exactly what he was talking about. In our context today as 21st century Americans, you can just replace slaves with employees. And since most of us in this room have a job, he's, he's talking to you as an employee, okay? So this, this term is, is really important to understand because first century slaves, at least in Colossae, were paid and lived like and looked like everybody else. In the context here, I would be Pastor Shannick's slave. He's my master. I won't say what I said last night, don't worry. <laughs> People are curious. Come find me in the hallway afterwards. So this word, slaves, is an employee. And he talks to the employees to obey. It's the same word used in the context of children, so it means to pay attention. So what he's trying to address is to be someone who works hard, even if it goes unnoticed or unrewarded. Don't be someone who works really hard only when the boss is looking. Don't be that person who does their job well only to climb the ladder of success. Be the person that works hard in every area of your life. In fact, he goes on to say, whatever you do, here's what I want to tell you this morning. God's will for your life is whatever. Whatever you want to do, as long as your mission is to make Jesus famous in whatever you do, you will be doing God's will for your life. God's will for your life is whatever. If you want to be a politician, go be the best politician that ever lived. Just be an honest one and help change the game. If you want to be a school teacher, go be the best school teacher, understanding that you are not teaching your kids a specific subject. You are ministering to those kids every single day to empower them to realize that they are incapable of bringing change to society. If you want to be a business owner, go own the best business that ever was and create the most entertaining and fun workplace to work at so that your employees actually want to show up and work for you. You have control over this. Be someone who creates an environment that helps other people flourish. Be someone who works hard even if it goes unnoticed or unrewarded. Because whatever you do, do it with all your might to honor Jesus. Two things I want to point out real quick in these next couple verses. He says some controversial things that you don't understand if you don't understand the context. He says uh, in verse 24 that you work hard to receive an inheritance and a reward. And I was taught this wrong my whole life. Do you know that there isn't a plural form of the word reward anywhere in the New Testament? That means that the reward that you will get in heaven is the reward that you already have in full right now because the reward is Jesus. You're not working for a bigger mansion or some terrible theological eschatological understanding of what heaven looks like. Jesus wasn't so concerned about people getting to heaven. He was concerned about people bringing heaven to earth. You bring heaven to earth when you love people where they're at without an expectation of them to change. Are you the type of person that walks in your inheritance? Because newsflash, you are already walking in the inheritance. Someone has to die for you to live in an inheritance, and that person died 2,000 years ago. So you are already currently walking in the inheritance of the fullness of God. Most of us just haven't woken up to the reality of it. 
You have everything you need to be successful in life. You have everything you need to turn your world upside down for the kingdom of God. You don't need somebody else's gifting. You need to just recognize your gifting. The reward is now, the inheritance is now. Wake up, church. Wake up to the reality that you are already walking in the inheritance. Then he says something in verse 25 that has been misused often. He says, you will be repaid. Repaid. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs. In the context of what he's talking about, he's talking about dishonest gain. This has nothing to do with judgment in the future. This has nothing to do with judgment in the past. This has nothing to do with judgment. This has everything to do with natural consequences when you live without integrity and character. You will reap what you sow. Be someone who does good work at your job and doesn't climb the ladder while you leave your integrity and character at the door. Be someone who works hard. Lastly, he says something that I'll close with. Timmy, you can come on up here. Make me sound beautiful. I know it was kind of all over the place, but I'm just preaching my assignment. There's a reason why Pastor probably gave this one to me because he didn't want to preach it, but hopefully it's been blessing to you. Talking about marriage and kids and life. But here's what I want to say. He, he, he closes it off. He says, Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair. This word masters literally gets translated as a respectful title of honor. Again, he's not talking to masters who own people. He's talking to employers who have employees. So if you're an owner of a business, do you treat people with justice and equality? A master has authority in your life. But again, let's go back to the original understanding of this word. It's a respectful title of honor. A respectful title of honor. I want to submit to you today that when Paul wrote this passage, again, he was writing to people who would have understood his context. But if he was standing here with you today in the 21st century American church, I believe that he would tell us that he would tell us that God does not want to be known as a master in your life He wants to be known as your father. Because if the title master means a respectful title of honor, the best way that you could honor our father is recognizing the reality that you are his child and you have always been seated at his right hand. You are on daddy's lap. And if you've never been embraced with a love message like this, I want you to wake up to the reality that God has never looked at you with disdain. He's never looked at you and been disappointed. He's always smiling at you, not because of anything that you did, but because of what Jesus has done on your behalf. You are standing as righteous and perfect as you ever will because you are standing on the finished work of Jesus. He wants to be known as your dad. And this dad has nothing to do or nothing to look like your earthly dad. This is a dad who has unconditional love towards you. The fullness of Jesus is in us. And he calls us to love. Now, everything that this passage was talking about was talking about in the context of family and work, really just life. And here's what I want to close with today is you do not need to know any more revelation from the scriptures than what you already know in love. The only thing that you need to recognize and realize is to start loving the way that Christ has already loved us. We're the sons and daughters of God. We need to put down 
put down whatever judgments we have towards people because of the way that we because of the way that they live and go and start loving our neighbors. I said this last night. I'm not going to say it directly last night. Don't worry, Pastor. But I want to encourage you with this. The way that Jesus lived, he was often abused by the church people. He was often judged by the church people. If you really want to follow Jesus, my encouragement to you would to be go get around some people that your Christian friends would have a problem with you getting around. One of the most loving things you could do might be to go to a bar tonight. Did he just say that? Yeah, because there is somebody there that is giving up all hope. Because some of the friendliest people in the world are at bars because they love unconditionally. Maybe some of the people that you need to be hanging out with are the people that, that your Christian friends would be like, why are you hanging out with them? Why? Because if Jesus' people don't go be Jesus to a world that needs Jesus, Jesus isn't going to be around. We need to wake up to who we have and start loving people where they're at, giving them hope, giving them rest, giving them the peace that we carry because we are Jesus' followers. Let's be people that raise our kids in the presence of God not just with a bunch of rules. Let's be people that honor our spouses when it's so easy to dishonor them. Let's lay that burden down. Let's just honor them, even if they're wrong. Let's just honor each other because the world will be so attracted when we honor people. Let's be employees who go to work on Monday and recognize that the kingdom of God just walked in when you walked in. And go make that place fun. Go make that place alive. Go make that place encouraging. And go love people where they're at.